This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. Once again, lots to discuss this week. We'll have a look back at the cup victory over at Leighton Orient. We'll look ahead to Hull this weekend, pay tribute to a Stoke City legend and of course all the news from around the club this week. And as always, welcome back to the pod, Dan and Andy. How's things been uh, going your side, guys, this week? Everything okay? Yeah, it's been a little quiet on my side, but things are still going pretty well. Yeah, same as usual this end. Everything good? Good, good. Uh, we were having a few jokes before the recording because Dan's said, oh, well, you know, I'll join at nine o'clock and it's well, it's now quarter past three in the morning and we're, you know, he's... <laughs> it, it just I don't know what the bloody hell has been doing. I'm trying to get a bath and you know, just needs to get priority straight, Dan. So anyway, mate, thanks for gracing us with your presence eventually. Um, just, just don't just don't drop us into the bath because we know you are actually in it now when we're recording. So let's don't don't you know get too many suds on it or drop us in the water. I was gonna say start, I'll, I'll lather up here, mate. <laughs> but there's there's bubbles where there shouldn't be bubbles. Uh, standard standard Wednesday night for us. <laughs> Anyway, we're here to record a Stoke City <laughs> podcast. So, um, yeah, I guess best place to probably kick off is, as always, you know, we like to look back at the, uh, the previous match. Now, um, I guess really, I mean, and I, I didn't actually go to the game and quite frankly, like most Stoke fans, didn't go to the game by the looks of some of the pictures. But uh, one particular person who did was uh, Mr. Andrew uh, Blinston. So, Andy, um Obviously, you've seen a, a bit more of the match than I have. I mean, I've seen some extended highlights um, and bits like that. But uh, what was your kind of overall thoughts about about the game, mate? Well, we we played all right. Obviously, there was um, in the starting lineup yet again Chester and Klukas who made their few mistakes. But I will touch on that. I thought Chester played better than he normally does. He started off um, not actually making as many mistakes he normally does, if any, until about thirty minutes. And then um, was probably the reason we could have potentially even lost the game. But um, it was a very good performance. I thought Dowerty played well. Um, Wright Phillips especially, making his debut, played especially well. Um, And even Jack Bonham, obviously, none of us had really seen how he 
how he would perform. And I thought he put in an absolutely amazing performance considering it's his first start for Stoke. Well, there, there was a couple of them saves early on that seemed to you know, yeah. handled himself really well. And uh, I must admit, what, what did you make of uh, Frank Fielding, mate? Was his warm-up really, really good? I didn't get a chance to get in that early because, as you know, I was at the Harvester, so I didn't get a chance to see the warm-ups. But, um, yeah. It's the only playing time he's going to get with Stoke, I tell you. I mean, I've just been reading before we came on, mate, that bloody Derby County want him now. So he's he's probably going to end up signing for Derby without ever even really kicking a ball in professional football before. He's got too far to go, has he? Yeah, no, he hasn't. And I mean, you mentioned Wright Phillips, mate, because I think all the plaudits that I got was that he was... He was kind of very quick, very kind of um, slick on the ball. Uh, it didn't really do anything wrong. He was quite energetic. Is is that about right? Or... Yeah, I can't really say anything different to that. One thing we can mention is we have a footballer who's a similar height to Joe Allen now. <laughs> Bloody hell, that takes some doing, doesn't it? But Does he, he run around get... like a headless chicken, though? No, he doesn't, but he can get to headers. He can jump pretty high. Okay, nice. Actually, yeah, he didn't... Again, I think O'Neill said, didn't he, in the... Uh... The press conference that you know he'd he, he wasn't afraid to go up um against them at all and get get his head stuck in there so uh that's a that's a relief and we'll see when he's got you know he's, he's settled in and he doesn't have to prove himself so much but hopefully that's a it's a good sign and i know all the plaudits again we talk about you know stoke's presence in the media and how we look but it's it's certainly done us no no uh no harm at all this week uh, i think one thing that makes us look good as well is that you know emre tezgal making his debut 16 years and 121 days was he at the time he was playing it's... yeah yeah mr stato aka dan will will probably be able to back that up but um yeah you're right mate it's good to see him and uh, there's the the chap i was trying to think back earlier on and i could not think up for his name for the life of me but ollie shenton i think was he was he the last youngest player uh prior to that i know we've had that many young players make a breakthrough this season but ollie shenton was 17 think... when he played yeah, I think he was one of the youngest for like seventy years or something. I think we were like going back to like the fifties or something when we had the, the youngest. The, the record has just been beaten. Yeah, well, yeah, and unfortunately, obviously for Ali, his career just hasn't it just hasn't gone. I mean, we talk about players, you know, they're meant to be the next big thing and then they disappear. And um, Ollie, unfortunately, he's you know he's a Stoke lad and, and all that, but. Unfortunately, he's playing for that. I think I think you said earlier, Chorley Town and stuff like that. So, um, I'm sure he's doing it. You know, he's probably enjoying. And importantly, he's enjoying his football. I'm sure, but hopefully, Tezgal doesn't go that way. And from from what we've all seen, um, he works for his dad's butchers in Longton, by the way. Oh, really? Does he? Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. A footballer and works another job. Back to the how they used to be back in the day. <laughs> Not Emre. I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. I'd be worried if Emery was doing that alongside his GCSEs as well. He'd be burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must he's, he's captain in the under-23s, under-18s tonight, something like that. Um, captain the 18s. 18s, yeah. So he's captain there tonight, so we'll see how that goes. But what did you make of Tezgal, mate? I mean, I don't think he had much time to really make much of an impact, did he, I think? No, he, did, he didn't really have too many touches. I think he played around five minutes, obviously. O'Neill wanted to give him the chance to you know play in front of probably the safest number of people you can have in the crowd he, d- he doesn't want to put him in a league game you know and have twenty thousand fans in his debut match at the age of 16 it put him under a lot of pressure but he made a lot of um good runs when he needed he like uh right phillips got up to headers when needed and um everyone was saying even i've said it if campbell did square it it would have been good for him but 
how much pressure do you think that would put him under? Yeah, it sounds to me though, mate, that the guy's probably you know able to handle it. I mean, we've seen for a sixteen-year-old, he's uh, he's certainly enjoying his time, and who knows, you know, maybe he's the the next big thing. But we don't want to hype him up too much. We we all know how many times players, as I said earlier, come in and don't really go very far. Um, and Dan, one thing I wanted to pick up on, mate, and uh, there was a there was a kind of a, a post that I put out on Twitter a few days ago uh, of that image of the, the the fans in the stadium. Apparently, there was five thousand there. Um, you could probably count them on your hands for how many fans were actually in the stadium. Were you kind of surprised by the 5,000 or was that basically what you were expecting to turn up? Because I'll be honest, I didn't expect it to be that low personally. No, I didn't think it'd be that low, but I think they maybe got the pricing structure a little bit little bit wrong, maybe a little bit too steep. You know, thinking it's just after Christmas, we just had two home games the previous week as well. Um, so people have been dipping into the pockets. Mm. Like if you're a game-to-game customer, if you're not a season ticket holder, you've just shelled out for a lot of money if you've been to those two previous home games. I'll, yeah, I'll add myself into that, mate. I mean, I, I, again, for me, I paid, I think it took me some with me, uh, obviously, and uh, I know luckily I got a free ticket from you on one of them, Dan, but uh, generally, mate, I'd still probably spent the best part of 60-odd quid going to, to those two games. And like you said, Christmas, I've had birthdays and stuff between Christmas and now. Um, so, yeah, it gets a very expensive bloody time. And, I mean, obviously, I, I think most people know that we obviously need Orient to agree to any particular ticket deal. Um, whether we asked is another question, but I totally agree, mate. For me, it should have been adults for a fiver, kids for a quid, get them in the stadium. That, that's the way I would do it. But quite clearly, it's not just our decision. I think you saw, I mean, it's not, it's not Stoke City related, but I'm sure, um, was it Swindon playing Manchester City, didn't they, on Friday night? Mm. And I'm sure I saw something that they put their ticket prices up by like £12 off the standard ticket. Right. And they obviously they sold out the stadium because they were playing Manchester City. So they're like, oh, when we've got more money. But really, you've fleeced your fans. So in the long run, are you actually going to be gaining the respect to them fans? Or are they going to think, oh, we're just you know, you're just taking us for what you can, basically? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know why the FA can't just set price instructor themselves. This is our competition in round three. Your price, I mean, round one, round two, qualifying rounds, whatever. These are the, these are your ticket prices. Round three, these are your ticket prices. Round four, these are your ticket prices. And do and the, why the FA can't do it and say this is what you'll be charging people. Everybody across the board, every yeah. round charges the same. And it's third round, and they look around, they say all these empty seats. Third round, day, they say, you know what? We're gonna. It's gonna be uh, ten pound. For adults, it's going to be five pound for children. Round four is going to be twelve pound for adults, and it's going to be six pound for children. And you know, and move on. Quarterfinals, uh, it's going to be twenty pound, and that can be the limit, twenty pound, until they get yeah. to obviously this, until they get to the, the FAs, obviously their own ground Wembley when they'll start charging what they want. <laughs> but, yeah, mate, but, that, 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 that's a really good idea. I've not actually heard anybody. Um, even mentioned that as a, as a suggestion but you know people have been talking in the week as the FA Cup going the way of you know the League Cup or whatever you want to bloody call it and uh, you know no one really gives a crap anymore I mean there's elements of that I think there's definitely elements of that so I think that's a great way of of trying to bring it back down the cheaper it is the more people will go and watch it's as simple as that exactly so. and the thing is the reason the reason it's going the same way as the League Cup is 
it's it's money. It's all about money. If you're a top six, top eight Premier League club, you're looking at getting in the top four or the top six, aren't you? You're getting into Europe, getting into Champions League. So the FA Cup and then what you get for winning that is absolute pittance. Yeah. If you're below the eight, eighth of the Premier League, your aim probably is just to remain in the Premier League. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and obviously, if you're thinking, what's your main priority? It's the hundred million pounds you get for staying in the Premier League. So that, so they, they all of a sudden, third round day. I mean, I think once you get to the latter stages, fifth round, quarterfinals, teams start taking a bit more seriously. Third round, fourth round. If they go out, they're thinking, oh, well, never mind. We've got a few free Saturdays now where we can recharge batteries. But then you get down to the championship. And if you're in the championship, how tight it is, even at this stage of the season, probably two thirds of the league are still looking at the playoffs. Yeah. Aren't they? And think if we put a run to how many teams have you seen in the relegate, you know, around the relegation places at Christmas, put a fantastic run together and end up, you know, fifth, sixth place at the end of the season. Yeah. So there's your cha- all your championship teams are chasing the gold of getting in the Premier League and the hundred million there. And that that's why it's all about money. That's why teams don't take it seriously, because financially it doesn't pay. It doesn't pay to win games in the FA Cup compared to how it does to, to do well and, and achieve your goals in the league. No. And I think my, my concern, mate, if you lose the League Cup, you lose the FA Cup, what's left? I mean for every other club, there's nothing left, as let's be honest. Because, like you said, if you're not chasing promotion, um, eh, it's I, I, I don't know. Unless you would start introducing a new bloody cup, which which is just a stupid idea, um, it's just going to fizzle out, and they'll just become an inconvenience for everyone, like like it is for the Premier League teams, like you pointed out. So, yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I love that idea. Um, whether they'll ever do it is another thing, but um, I think uh, it's a you, good idea. Whilst I'm, whilst I'm on a roll here with the good ideas. If you want, if you want to fix the league cup, yeah. You're not, yeah, no dodgy fixing, mate. It's not allowed. No, no. no if you want to make the league cup uh, more, how should I would say, um, interesting. Yeah, more interesting. Hey, um, under twenty-three size. teams. Well, no, that that's the Papa John's, isn't it? That one. <laughs> um, They're all the same thing, aren't they? At this point. Yeah, I think the league cup. I think if you qualify for Europe, they usually come in round three, don't you? Mm-hmm. If you qualify for Europe, you do not enter the League Cup the following season. So okay. only only clubs who aren't in Europe are in the League Cup, which means that everybody in that League Cup, well, not everybody, but you know, all of a sudden, this season, Arsenal, Everton, Southampton, you know, teams like that are all of a sudden looking at it and thinking, well, this is a trophy we can win. But the thing is, at the end of it, you still get a European spot. They still keep that. So, a different club is going to get into the Europa League or whatever, Europe, whatever they assign it to, Conference League. Europe, I'd say it'd be whatever. Conference. So, do you get what I mean? So, you've got a different, you've also got yeah. a different winner every year. And the big clubs, because the big clubs aren't interested in the League Cup, are they? Let's face it. They, no. Big clubs they are interested they, in the Premier League and their European yeah. competition. Yeah, exactly. They play in Europe. So, because they, and because they play in Europe, that means then you can also play the League Cup maybe more dates. I know UEFA aren't keen on Premier League games being played when Champions League's on, but they can play, still play the League Cup around when... So you've got more dates, much more flexibility in the calendar there as well. OK, yeah. No, I, I, like, I like the idea, mate. Um, and in, in terms of just kind of... Oh, sorry, come do you, you want to say something else, Dan? I was going to say somebody get the FA on, on here. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we'll get, we'll get Tony Scholes on. 
uh, you know, he can do something with the Premier League and, and see if he can get things <laughs> moving. Uh, if it won't go to Scholes, that'll end up being in a really long conversation. So we'll uh, we'll kind of tie we'll tie up the uh, the Orient game. So uh, Dan, we put some uh, man of the match polls out, or you did, as I say. So we had a choice of Ince, Doughty. I was always Doughty or Doughty. I now always get that wrong, and I change it every week. So it's Ince, Doughty, or Wright Phillips. Um, so in third place with fourteen percent was Wright Phillips. Um, Alfie was uh, second with 21% and uh, 60% was Ince, if you've done your maths correct. Um, so, uh, yeah, just very final point, actually, on, on Tom Ince. So there was some comments in the week about should he get a new contract, shouldn't he? Um, I'd say more people were saying no, he, you know, he's not turned up for uh, the last few seasons. So, um, you know, why should he get one now? And I must admit, I'm in that camp. Um, and it's great to see Ince doing well. Um, but for me, is it really a coincidence that he's starting to play well and do well in training and do well in games just as the window opens up and he's fighting for a contract? Probably not. There's obviously something that's gone in his head mentally that means he's going to actually put some effort in. So would either of you give him a contract, um, even if he plays well to the end of the season? If he plays well, I think he should have an extension. Obviously, we know when he first came to Stoke, he was firing on... He was doing pretty well and then slumped out of form and then was out of favour, went out on loan, got injured. But like you've said, is he playing to potentially move on to a new club? Is he playing just for the contract? And when we give it him, he goes back to the form he was at. Um, I'm 50-50 with it. If he plays well and then you give him maybe another year and then he plays well after, it's all good and well sailing, but I'm 50-50 with it. Dan? If we're still a championship club next season... Um, then I would off if, if if he's carried on playing how he is doing now, it's obvious that what's happened is he's had a four year deal and he's got to the last twelve months. Nobody's been interested in him for the best part of two years, bar six months with Nathan Jones for some strange reason who couldn't stand him when he was at Stoke. <laughs> um, so what I he's obviously because he's got six months left. He's thinking I need to get a new deal a year, or I need to put myself in the shot window so people don't forget about me. Because um, he has got a lot, he's got a lot of ability, and he's now showing a different side of him as well. One that we didn't even see when he started under Rowett. He's getting stuck in, and, you know, he's putting himself about a bit. Maybe being in more in the middle of the pitch as well is suiting yeah. him, or he's merely feeling more involved. Maybe yeah, what he's hiding a bit on the right wing. Maybe that's why he's he can hide. Whereas in the middle, he's getting stuck in because he's involved all the time. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but what, to answer your question, if he's if he's playing like this, continuing like this till the end of the season, I'd offer him a twelve month contract and say this is twelve months, slightly reduced terms because I think that's what that's the situation we're in. But if you play. 20 league games next season, you'll get another 12 months written into the contract. Okay. Because then, if he is part of this, if he carries on and continues playing how he is, then you'll get another 12 months. And for Stoke, this is what he's been like in the last 12 months of this contract. If you only give him 12 months, he's got to keep going to get the next contract. And then, obviously, after that, he'll only have 12 months. And then you'll give him a new deal as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. Fair, fair point. Um, me personally, like I said, I wouldn't give him a new contract regardless. I, I just, I think for me, he's burnt too many bridges. He's, he's not been good enough for, for far too long. Um, and I don't really think, um, yeah, he's worthy of one. But uh, just one final point on this, then, just to finish off uh, this particular game. Obviously, as we know, the the cup's been uh, drawn for the fourth round, and uh, James McLean and Jordan Cousins will uh, be returning to Stoke City. Uh, so obviously we've got Wigan Athletic in the fourth round. Um, should be interesting. I think we all know who's going to go and score for Wigan. We all know who's going to get booed. Um, it's a shame. Um, personally, I think McLean was a very de- you know decisive uh, figure, wasn't he? Um, but for me, I think you know McLean really needs to um, to kind of stick around. Uh, sorry, not stick around. Uh, McLean really needs to try and. Um, not kind of kind of bow to the the kind of pressure to be honest with you uh it's not really a player you want to give some stick because i'm sure you'll ram it down our throats to be honest yeah i can pretty much agree with you on that he's even when he was at stoke you would have you know like you say there opposition fans giving him stick and he would show you what type of player he is and he would punish you for it but um yeah, he's a player that when he was at Stoke, he was one of my favourites with the way he played down the wing. He was very, very good. Um, but I don't think Cousins will be playing because he has got an injury. Um, and his the manager has said he'll be out for a lengthy time. And that was a you know about a month back. And they're estimating about another three months he's going to be out for. So he might come down. He might come out and down and say hi, but. No, nah, I think McLean will definitely start. And knowing knowing us, we'd like to let players who've played for us score. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He should be he should be applauded onto the pitch. <laughs> there there, there <laughs> should be people like literally bowing uh, as he as he walks on. Yeah. Any any, any negative energy that I want to throw at him, just do the complete opposite. Thank you for scoring against us, James. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. I tell I you what, though, honestly, I, I, I do. I watch the um, like the scores and, and stuff coming in as well. McLean scores some goals for Wigan. Um, you know, he has been chipping in with the goals, so he knows where the net is this year. Uh, in all seriousness, we do need to be careful with that. Because we love players to come back and score against us, never mind ones that will have a bit of an agenda against some of the fans who disagree with his views. Um, found his level. <clears throat> yeah, he has found his level. You're right, mate. He wasn't. He's not. A, he's not a championship player. But anyway, if, if he had as much ability as he does have commitment and drive, then he would be a world class player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And I think let, let's just leave it there with that one. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's uh, that's the Stoke Orient game. Uh, let's go on to uh, this week's Stoke City news. So let's kick off uh, this week's Stoke news with some positive news. Uh, so Taylor Howard-Bellis has signed uh, for the club on a uh, season-long loan, uh, so obviously the rest of this year. Um, I think a player that most people kind of wouldn't have seen, guys, to be honest, and I'm pretty sure I think I've only ever seen him once or twice, I think, as he's kind of come on uh, for City some time ago. But, um, yeah, I think a, a young a young player, I think a lot of people have had a lot to say about this week, a lot of positive. You know, they've kind of been saying he's composed, he's very similar to 
to suit her in some respects. Um, I know he played kind of like six or seven games for Man City's first team as well. So he's clearly a player with a lot of potential. Um, and again, a lot's been made about his needing midfielders. And while that's absolutely very, very true, um, Dan, I guess to kind of start with you, May, um, are you quite happy with this one? I know last week we discussed about, you know, Obviously, Leo went, and do we need another defender? Should we use the money for midfielders? But do you see this as a positive signing? Yes, very much so. Um, I think we have been ropey at the back. I think uh, the game against uh, Leighton Orient at the weekend showed that we do have uh, a walking liability in James Chester. Uh, Say that again. Anything that pushes him further down the pecking order is a positive. Nothing against the guy personally, just I think he's finished at this level as a footballer. Uh, but anyway, moving back onto this more positive news. <laughs> um, I've heard him described, like I said, personally I've not seen much of him at all. Um, two things I do know is he scored against the Vale, so that's a good thing. <laughs> I'll be here to Stoke fans. And um, he also, uh, was dis- I've seen him described as the closest thing we can get to Harry Souter. So... I'll, if that's the case, I'll take him and he can slot right in the middle of the defence. Ben, ben Wilmot on one side, maybe even try and get a new uh, left-sided defender on the other and we'll be well away then, won't we? Yeah, no, again, Sonny, but I think one thing that I probably hadn't thought about when this signing was going through, and I'm sure, Andy, you'll, you'll probably agree with me a bit, but I think this type of a player, more than anything else, allows us to to play the way that was working for us at the start of the season. I think that's probably one thing. So it's not a direct influence in terms of he's going to come in, he's going to score goals, but him coming in allows us to play in a way that may actually encourage other players to score goals instead. Is that is that kind of the way you look at this as well? Yeah, I'd agree with you. Obviously, like we mentioned, if he's a Harry Sutar type centre-back, he will play in that centre of, mid, centre of midfield, centre of defence. Um, but... Is Danny Bart a centre-back who can play on the left side by himself? Potentially. Will we go back to a five-back for future games? We could do. Are we going to stick with the 4-3-3, considering it has been working for the past couple of games? Um, obviously, Harry Suter, I think, has played uh, in a four-back before. So, either or, Taylor Howard bellis from what I've heard of him. I've heard him for the past couple of years. He's been a decent player with... Man City and their youth setup, so he's an excited signing for me. Good, perfect. And um, I mean, obviously, I know we haven't really seen uh, much of him, but we uh, we have some friends at uh, Blackburn Rovers, so he played 19 games uh, for them as well. So well, we got in touch with him anyway this week just to try and get a bit of an overview of uh, what uh, what they've got to say. So let's have a quick listen uh, to see what they've said. Hi guys, Andy Watson from Rovers Chat here. Um, I'm very jealous that you've signed Taylor Harwood-Bellis on loan. Um, He came to us at Blackburn um, this time last season. We already had Jared Branthwaite in from Everton. Um, So a lot of people were questioning why Taylor Harwood-Bellis was brought in on top of that as another inexperienced central defender. Um, He came on in his first game as a substitute at right-back and he didn't really look the part. So there was even more questions after that. But then we lost Daryl Lenehan as well and it ended up being a 
Taylor Harwood Bellis and Jared Branthwaite central defensive partnership for quite a few matches actually and very quickly it was uh, THB who took the senior role in that partnership even though Branthwaite had more senior experience what you're going to get from him is um, everything really he's not the tallest so uh, but he didn't lose that many aerial duels. In fact, he had a, I think it was about a 70% win rate on aerial duels. So for for someone of his height, that's impressive. Um, he's exceptionally competitive. You'll certainly see that. He gets involved in a lot of defensive duels. Um, but he's got pace as well, so we can cover him behind if needed. But he's definitely more of a front foot defender. Obviously, coming through the Manchester City Academy, as you would expect, very technically sound. Um, he's not... The like of Tosin Odorabayo at Fulham, where obviously he came through the City Academy as well, where Tosin would pick up the ball and, and thread balls through the midfield for the forwards or, you know, pick out intelligent passes. Taylor is a lot more functional with his distribution, but um, that's not to say that he can't play the ball. He, he doesn't mind spraying a diagonal uh, from, from either side, really. He can use both feet. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect to be seeing him at right back. Obviously, you guys play three at the back quite consistently so he could certainly slot in on the on the right or the left of that back three he is right footed predominantly though so he'd probably be more suited on the right um, but he could certainly he could do a job on the left of the three as well yeah i i would love to have had him back i put him in i did a blackburn rovers recruitment document in this in the summer and i suggested that we could bring him back um obviously we brought in jan paul van hecker instead and he's been excellent so um that's probably why we're not backing for him um, this this winter. I didn't see much of him Andalect. I don't know what impact he had there. Obviously, he can't be that great. Otherwise, he wouldn't be back out on loan in the Championship. But I think you've got a, a solid enough addition. It's a little bit different to the central defenders that you've already got. And um, I hope he does really well for you. Obviously, not too well in, in terms of um, taking over Blackburn Rovers' position, but well enough um, to maybe get you into the playoffs. So um, thanks, guys, and uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, Andy. Much appreciate the uh, overview, mate. Always, uh, always good to get a bit more of a, a first hand, especially when a lot of you know people haven't really seen him. So, um, Dan. So, yeah, obviously, very quickly then on, on this particular bit. So, um, obviously, some very encouraging words for, from Andy. Anyway, I mean, the the words "I'm very jealous" is never a never a bad thing, is it? Yeah, it, it all sounds very positive, doesn't it? From what we can hear there. Um, yeah, he's uh, obviously he's, he's got more experience since he was at Blackburn as well. So you'd hope that, you know, playing Champions League football, playing top-end football for Anderlecht, that he's probably developed even further. So, um, yeah, very, it's all very positive there. I'm uh, very impressed from what I've heard. Good, good. And obviously on to um, somebody else, again, signing the law, mate, potentially at the minute. And we've gone from, you know struggling to try and find any money to, to even hire a cleaner, never mind, you know, a few players. And, uh, you know, we've actually got uh, Lewis Baker, who's apparently uh, set to sign. Uh, I think rumours were that it was just going to be kind of a continued loan, but no, it's it's definitely going to be a permanent deal. Um, I know we tried to sign Lewis Baker last season on, on a permanent deal. I'm not quite sure why that kind of, um, kind of just disappeared all of a sudden. I can't, I can't remember why, but um, I know obviously... I mean, Baker's kind of background for anyone who doesn't know, he, he joined Chelsea as a nine-year-old uh, in 2005 just because they like to sign kids uh, from, like, Blinking uh, Nursery. Um, but anyway, he, he used to actually play in uh, Luton Town's Centre of Excellence. And um, since 2015, he's played for eight different teams. 
which I must admit is quite a lot. I was thinking about this earlier. It's quite a lot of teams to play for in the space of effectively six years. Um, but in, in fairness t- to him, most recently, he's been playing at Trevens for uh, and uh, basically, th- I think, 34 games scoring two goals. So um, I think more than anything, whether we think he's going to be good, think he's going to be bad, whatever it is. Um, Andy, I think you probably agree, mate, that we uh, we just need midfielders, don't we? Let's be honest. We, we really, really are crying out for a good, solid holding midfielder who, to be fair, I mean, from what I've seen of Lewis Baker, mate, he sounds like he can do more than just sit in front of that defence. It looks like he can score a goal or two as well. Yeah, well, if you want to talk about scoring a goal or two, his first campaign for Chelsea under 21s, 10 games, 11 goals. Um, 2013-14 season that was, but obviously since then he's been around, like you've said. He's had good seasons, playing quite a lot for the teams he has played for. And we do need some solid midfielders who we can have in and out of the team. Like at the moment, we've got three in Varancic, Allen and Klukas, but no one else really other than that. Like we had Allen and Klukas, who are meant to be proper league starters, starting in the FA Cup third round against Leighton Orient. Mm. But what what do you do though, Andy? I mean, let's let's say he comes in and he's he's going to sit in that holding midfield spot. So does Joe Allen get moved further forward? What happens when Romain Sawyer's comes back? It, it, are we changing formation again? I mean, Thompson. I mean, which I mean, what what do you do? Do you play Thompson and Baker and put one one of them a bit further forward? I mean, it's a nice it's, problem to have for once, but well, it's it's one of them. Obviously, we need midfielders at the moment but when like we know Varancic has got his uh, hamstring pull we don't know how long that's going to be hopefully he is fit for the weekend but when Sawyers comes back and you've got Thompson who hopefully it's just his Covid which is setting back you've got that midfield solidarity again do we stick with the three like you've said um, do we go more to a flat three in the form of the 5-3-2 if you want to add Harwood Bellis into the defence Um Maybe it's just a case of rotating the midfield um, around a bit to avoid the injuries. Yeah, no, it could be. And I mean, Dan, I mean, what what was your thoughts on the? I mean, obviously we're talking like it's done. I mean, it looks like it will pretty much be done. But um, what's your kind of thoughts on Baker, mate? Are you, are you excited by it? Is it a bit? Eh. I mean, have you seen much of Baker yourself in the past? Um, I remember him playing for Reading a couple of years ago, and he was pretty good there. I remember him being dotted around different loan clubs a few years ago and he's always he's always done well wherever he has and I think as well he can play as more like a holding slash defensive kind of midfielder but one that looks forward as well or he can play him further forward and actually I think he's scored quite a few goals where he's been played further forward uh, you can tell where you can tell looking at his stats and stuff here which managers played him deeper which managers played him more advanced mm. Um I think he's always come across as a very tidy, very neat, very tidy, um, and somebody, somebody you can sort of stick in the middle of the pitch and sort of build around them, knowing what he can do. So I'm quite excited by this. I've been saying we should be going for him for a couple of years, to be honest. And I think, yeah, he, um, I'll be very excited to see him in the Stokeshire. Should fingers crossed, this deal come through. I mean, this might be old news by the time this gets released. We may be uh, 
he may have already been unveiled in front of the booth and scarf and all. <laughs> yeah, well, ho- hopefully so, mate. Hopefully so. But um, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a positive signing, mate. And uh, kind of tying on to, to this to kind of finish up the transfer uh, bits. I mean, we've had a few, I'll only mention these briefly, but we, we had a quick couple of mentions uh, that, Andy, you, you saw uh, yourself. So the, the Barnsley right back uh, client, Callum Britton, rather, um, I mean, for me, he's a he's a no no. Uh, we've got Dehaney who signed on a new deal. He's a really cheap deal. Um, so you know, we've got him. We you know we've still got Tommy Smith, who's obviously our first choice. And then Tom Edwards. I know he's out injured, but he's you know he's only going to be back in a couple of months. So as long as we generally don't have many more injuries, um, Smith and Dehaney for me can hold down that fort. So I, I can't really see that one particularly being much of an interest to us. Um, again, another one, Josh Bowler. Uh, is a winger from Blackpool. I've seen there. I can't remember seeing much of him when he played against us when me and Dan went went away. Um, I don't see how a winger fits into our system either. Again, we're not trying to sign wingers. It's very clear O'Neill wants um, to play this kind of 3-5-2 type formation. So for me, I just think these are lazy links. I would be very, very surprised if there was anything in them. So, uh, yeah, I think that kind of uh, kind of ties up the transfer links. I can't say I've seen any more kind of links this week anyway. Um, but in more kind of, I say positive news, it's I suppose it is positive news in, in a way because it celebrates someone who uh, I think meant a lot to a lot of Stoke fans. But uh, the one and only uh, Captain Ryan Shawcross has obviously announced his retirement. Um, I mean, if, if anyone hasn't seen Ryan, you've missed one heck of a player. And I think the legend tag is someone that will go against Ryan. And I think, you know, le- legend tags go get banded around every five minutes, but um, he's very much up there with probably one of the, the best Stoke players to ever play for the club. Uh, I think a lot of players would uh, would agree with that. I'm sure a lot of managers, um, both our managers, maybe not Arsene Wenger, but I'm sure a lot of them would uh, definitely agree. Uh, he's played over 400 games for Stoke and scored 21 goals. So, um, you could go on forever with Ryan, but um, Andy, Dan, uh, what are your kind of favourite memories of Ryan? Any funny moments, particular goals that stick in your mind? I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was the uh, Fellaini headbutt, um, even though it's a, a minor thing. But um, what were your kind of main uh, memories going back, Andy? Uh, one memory I remember was um, when we played Chelsea one game and Diego Costa basically said that he stunk (laughs) he went up to him and wafted his nose didn't he but um he was he was he was a character he he liked to get stuck in obviously he was a he was a proper you could say brexit defender you know he he wasn't scared to put in a tackle whatsoever he was a character around the club he he was very settled here he knew what he wanted he knew the vision he wanted was stoke unfortunately um as he was captain obviously we did get relegated in he always wanted to have that starting spot, got his um, back injury, and then was it his ankle he did against Leicester in pre-season, which pretty much took him out the side and then moved over to Miami. And he's had an all right time over there, but I think it's just gotten to the point where he, he knows, where, Ryan knew when something was finished. Even when he was playing and he wanted to be subbed, he knew that when something's up, it's up. And yeah, he's been a valiant to the club. You you can't fault him, and probably 
I'd put him in the top 10 most iconic players to play for Stoke. Yeah, absolutely. I think we signed him for a million quid. I mean, it's just... Yeah, if only we did deals like that. Um, Dan, any particular memories stick in the, the mind for you, mate? Other than, obviously, the one that we're not going to mention because the Arsenal fans are idiots. But um, any other particular uh, memories? No, this isn't the time for that. <laughs> um, I remember that. I remember right from his debut and him scoring the goal, you know, at Cardiff that won the game there, and that was a that was a big win. They they were the rivals of the time, weren't they? The, the non-local rivals. Mm. Um, so he started off on good stead, and you know, just to be made captain at twenty-two. Do you know what I mean? Just there aren't many Premier League captains at twenty-two, especially you know for clubs that have not long been promoted and and he just grew into you know there's players to put alongside him you know whether it was, Ab- whether it was Leon Court, Abdul Haifai, you know Robert Tooth, Jeff Cameron, Mark Moniesa you know, they all went and played alongside him and he looked good you know with all of them too let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah you know he he made them but you know people like him and Robert Tooth that partnership that picture uh, Sorensen on his knees pointing and Uth and Shawcross both giving the client that, that picture is a you know, wonderful uh, image as well and just shows you know just three real giants of the club at the time really in that in that period in the in the history. Um, but yeah there'll be none none whether it be memories wise, statistically, yeah, all sorts of you know, Ryan Shawcross, they'll it'll take some beating you know, in modern times for anybody to come near to him now. Yeah, it will, mate. And do you think, I mean, if we're, th- if we're thinking about ways we celebrate players and, and bits like that, obviously Wilco got a testimonial. I mean, surely it's a formality. Before the start of next season, um, there's going to be a testimonial for Ryan, isn't there? Th- there's got to be. Yeah, it'd be interesting to uh, see who's... Because I think now, where the Wilco one came about... The, the players that played that night hadn't long left the club, had they? Mm. Whereas now, I think if you were to be able to get back Ricardo Fuller, Danny Eggingbottom, Glenn Whelan, John Walters, Peter Crouch, even, you know, even if they only come on and play 20 minutes, half an hour or whatever, I think that I think the players will be packed out anyway because of who it is. Right, imagine that the atmosphere and the and the buzz around the place would be quite good as well to get those kind of players back. Um, and obviously Tony Pulis as well, you'd imagine. Oh, you know, Pulis to manage them, do you think? I think maybe Pulis and Hughes as managers. Oh, could clubs. you imagine? Jesus. That would be a standoff, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, do, do you know what I mean? I think that kind of... And, you know, you could, you could have, yeah, Lawrence. There'd be loads of players to lap. Yeah, the lap's already at the club. You could definitely, you know. But you think like the, you think the players now they've been gone a few years, haven't they? So there's they, when you think people, it's not fresh in people's minds. You know, it's, oh, I want to go see. I want to go see Roy the lap one last time. Ricardo Fuller, Liam Lawrence. You know, it's all. Um, could even try maybe get like you know Dicko still playing so far you know maybe get the the team that got promoted in 08 up against I don't know the, the a team that got to the FA Cup final and you know mixed mixed up you know so teams I know there'll be some players who are in both sides so you just try and 
change them half time. Nice testimonial, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think um, Pulis should run on at half time. Uh, like uh, that'll live my memory. I, I I love Pulis. I mean, I always did, I, and you know that, Dan. But that, yeah, I think for me, I mean, a lot of people didn't get a chance to say goodbye to Pulis as well. So it's kind of like a two birds with one stone type thing. But yeah, you're right, mate. Get them type of players back and do it a week before we're due to actually start the season. So everyone hopefully goes out on a big high, looking forward to the new Premier League season. You know, uh, the, the week after. I think that that would be that'd be quite nice. Um, so anyway, great. Well, yeah. Again, obviously, uh, obviously, Shawcross was an absolute legend, and uh, no, no way. I don't think in my lifetime I'll probably see another Stoke defender maybe knock up four hundred odd games. So um, brilliant. And I think there was one bit of audio which I managed to track down. Now this isn't my audio. It was I found it off uh, of some of the sources um, before. So it's a bit of a kind of a a brief overview, a kind of start to finish of his Stoke kind of career, a few kind of highlights, um, you know, goals going in, etc. So I thought this would be a nice way to just finish off the, the Ryan segment. So uh, let's just uh, have a quick listen to that one. Stoke have a corner into the penalty area. Oh, they scored! Ryan Shawcross! And it's Cardiff City nil. Stoke City 1, Ryan Shawcross the goal scorer. In the past, however long I've been at Stoke, it's been a case of when I've fit a play, so it has been difficult, but... I've got a really good family behind me. Uh, the club's been really good with the, the support network and give me that support to help me get through it. In comes the cross. In goes the header from Shawcross. Cross from the right. Up goes Shawcross. And this time from six yards. He made no mistake. Most games we go into are underdogs. I think that's the reason why we do so well. The manager instills a sort of self-belief that we can Up beat anyone. At Wembley. Yeah, so obviously some really nice uh, memories there. A lot of people had a, a lot of good things to say, and unfortunately, you know, Ryan should have probably made more uh, 
Four appearances for England, but he could not have chose a worse game and a worse player to go up against. So uh, never mind anyway, uh, always uh, be remembered anyway. And um, I think just to kind of finish off the whole new section, uh, just a couple of players to, to pick up on. Uh, Eddie Jones and Will Forrester have come back to Stoke. I think that was more our choice rather than uh, them not necessarily being wanted anymore. But, um, you know, I expect that we'll end up seeing them uh, in the, the Stoke team, hopefully, or at least on the bench in the next kind of couple of weeks. Um, so uh, that finishes off the news section. Let's have a look at Hull this weekend. Okay then, so uh, looking at the kind of head-to-head, so I'll look at the, the last kind of five fixtures uh, versus Hull. Um, obviously since relegation, I will just stress. So we've uh, actually won three of them. We've lost two. Um, now, obviously, as we all know, one of the key results was a 5-1 win just before COVID decided to derail everything. Um, but of course, more recently, we beat them 2-0, um, of course, earlier on this season. And they, they actually weren't too bad of a team. They weren't great, clearly lacking in, in quality. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, we managed to, to get the 2-0. And um, in good old fashion, Dan, in terms of who was playing for them and all that. Now, as I looked across the two uh, kind of teams, in terms of Stoke's team, only five players are likely to actually feature uh, this weekend. Now, that's not because we've sold players. That's purely down to injuries. Otherwise, it'd be probably double that. We'd almost have the entire same team. So it shows just how bad our our injuries have been hit. Um, and then I looked historically um, as well. So the last 24 games, we played them 24 times uh, and we've won 13 of them. So um, overall, we've got some good kind of history. And Dan, and I know that you've been... Uh, you always look Mr. Stato, as I like to call you, because I know you've been looking at a few things. But um, is there any particular stats that you've seen that I haven't kind of called called out on that one? Any particular interesting facts? Yeah, what, what I've noticed is that Hull, uh, when you consider the amount of shots they have as to the amount that actually are on target, they are the lowest in the league. They only have 27% of their shots are on target. Um, which also means they have their second lowest amounts of shots on targets in the league. They're only 76, which is, you know, roughly comes at just over three again. Uh, just bear in mind Stoke in those, because obviously we sort of, especially recently, have thought that we aren't getting many shots in, especially on target. Uh, we're actually 10th um, in our conversion uh, 33.2%. Really? And we've had we've had 90 shots on target, which puts us ninth in the division this season. Bloody hell, we um, must have had all, had all them in the first couple of games then. <laughs> <laughs> However, an, in, an interesting stat on that, like I say, Hull are bottom, we're 10th. We're um, yet Hull have actually had more shots than us this season. They've had 277, we've had 271, but obviously we... Uh, we're getting shots in from maybe maybe they're having a lot of long range shots or just their players just maybe got I don't know twenty pence heads or something and they're all going here there and everywhere. Oh, okay, interesting. Well, uh, yeah, I mean I know obviously historics and stats don't always um, kind of mean anything either either way, but um, yeah, uh, certainly certainly really interesting, mate. And we'll I think it should be an interesting weekend. And uh, Andy, did you have any particular? Um, input on any of that Right, so it's not much stats but it's more of insights um, first of all Hull are looking to win three consecutive home league games against Stoke for the first time having done that obviously 2018 uh, to the 19 season, the 2019 the 20 season so um, that's one fact Stoke um, 
have won last of their has won six of their last eight league meetings against Hull. So rather than the last five meetings, the last eight meetings seem to be on our side as well. Um, since a run of four consecutive wins in November, Hull have won just two points in four league games. Um, they have also won more points back in November, which is 12, than they have for the rest of the season combined, which is 11. Um, we have only won, and this is an interesting fact, Stoke have only won um, one other Sunday match this season, which was the win against QPR. And we haven't won back-to-back league games on a Sunday since a run of three wins between October and December in 2014, when we're in the Premier League. And fifth fact, Hull have conceded a goal via penalty in both of their last two league games, doing so against Nottingham and Blackpool, as many in their last previous 38 league games combined before that. But they do realise they're playing against Stoke City, so if we get a penalty, we're going to miss. They do understand. Yeah, that's the one thing <laughs> on their side for that. <laughs> Bloody hell. And we're on Sky, so there's another... Da- oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, but last time we were on Sky, we were against QPR, and we thought we were going to absolutely bottle that. Imagine, so, yeah. But we also had players. Yeah, sorry, we'll go say we also had players who were actually fit at that point, so Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. It's funny you should mention penalties there, Michael. Here we go, uh, Mr. Statistician. I have a lovely stat for you. Purely. Go on. Stoke have had four penalty kicks awarded in their games this season. Two for them two against the four penalty kicks have seen four different goalkeepers in goal four different penalty takers but all four have been saved by the goalkeeper that is an interesting fact <laughs> Mario Vrancic's was saved against Barnsley mm-hmm. Sam Sorge's was saved by Sam Johnson when we played West Brom Joe Bruce Sam- made a save against Fulham from the spot and Adam Davies saved from Charlie Austin against QPR so if we get a penalty, just you might as well just pretend that we've missed it. You might as well yeah. put a bet on for the keeper to save it. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Thanks for the uh, invigorating stat. I must admit, Mr. Stato at it again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good, good work there, mate. Good work. Um, so uh, in terms of next up, so I uh, just wanted to go back to our uh, age-old um, legend, that is the, the Mr. Graham McGarry. So uh, Graham is back on winning form. Uh, last week, he went for a 2-0 uh, prediction. So Graham, absolutely brilliant work, mate, getting that correct. Uh, it's all, all the stick you get. You don't deserve it. I've told Dan to stop doing it. Um, and, you know, he, he will learn. I've, I've never doubted you for a second. So uh, let's see uh, what Graham has to say this week. Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Hello there, this is Graham McGarry once again, getting ready for your Potter's prediction. Well, I've left it as late as I can. I'm coming in a lot later with my prediction, having been thinking about it right up until the final whistle is about to be blown. And I've finally come up with it. It's a Sunday game at Hull. They're improving. It looks like they're not going to be in a relegation battle, as many people thought at the beginning of the season. But Stoke must get back to winning ways. They must get back to what they were doing 
earlier in the season. Tough place to go, but I think it's going to be a Sunday treat for the Stoke fans who make it or the Stoke fans listening to this podcast because it's going to be Hull City 1, Stoke City 2. Yeah, cheers, Graham. Much appreciated, mate. Let's uh, let's hope for a positive result, mate. As always, we we appreciate it, and hopefully, you'll get you know two weeks in it on the trot. You might you might be right, mate. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much indeed. Um, and just to kind of finish off uh, this tiny mini section, uh, we've obviously got some uh, Hull again. Uh, kind of give us some some brilliant audio. So our friends from the uh, the Hull and Back podcast. Uh, giving us a bit of an insight in terms of you know recently how their season's been going and and obviously how they kind of see this weekend and kind of our our kind of dangers. So uh, let's have a quick listen on terms of what they've got to say. Hi guys, Anne from the Tull and Back podcast. Here. I've just been asked to give a few thoughts on Hull City season so far. Um, realistically, our aims this season is just to stay in the league. Uh, obviously, we won the league last season, League One. Uh, coming to the championship, we just want to stay up. Um, at the moment, we're doing that. I think we've got a couple of points deductions to thank for that, to be honest. But uh, we seem to be doing okay. Um, we started quite poorly. Uh, you know, we had quite a we, well. We beat Preston on the opening day, and then went on a torrid run of uh, not winning a game at all and not even scoring for seven or eight games, I think. And um, some injuries sort of forced Grant into a system change, but it, it was a change into a system that the fans have wanted for a long time—a three-five-two. Uh, which brings the best out of um, our, our three centre-backs uh, and our strikers converted into wing-backs kind of situation. Um, you know, in terms of our style of play at the minute, we, 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 we tend to want to play out from the back, but we've got um, some dangerous pace that will run in behind, the likes of Tyler Smith, King Lewis Potter. Um, you know, teams don't want to be running back towards their own goal sometimes, and we've got players that want, want to make you do that. Uh, we've got combative, absolutely dynamo midfielders in George Honeyman, uh, Greg Doherty, you know, Smallwood screens and protects the back three. Uh, our young three centre-backs are all comfortable on the ball and want to bring the ball out. And, um, you know, you'll see them kind of doing the overlapping centre-back thing and even crossing the ball into the box at times. So it's a system that, that that's brought us some excitement and, and, and a bit better in terms of joy. Uh, you know, we, we won four on the bounce and went six unbeaten. Um, we've not really won. Uh, since then, but we've had a COVID-ravaged squad, and um, you know the season's gone a bit, been a bit curtailed for um, for most teams. I think, um, you know, we've got the likes of um, Keen Lewis Potter, who's a danger to anybody. You know, Premier League teams are sniffing around him. Jacob Greaves, our young centre half, comfortable left-footed ball playing centre half, uh, absolutely brilliant. George Honeyman, easily our key player. Uh, creativity, um, boundless energy, doesn't stop. Um, easily our best player so far this season, I think, along with uh, Keen Lewis Potter. Uh, and Tyler Smith, the new striker, you know, he's, he's not really had a run in, this, uh, in the side so far, but an injury to Malik Wilton. Um, McGuinness looking like he's departing to Wigan's, giving him a chance, and he looks very fast, very um, eager. He got a goal against Everton, so hopefully that's him up and running. Um, but, you know, we, we have we have got a bit of weakness to exploit in terms of, you know, we play Ryan Longman and Keen Lewis Potter as wing-backs, who are essentially are more attacking wingers. So defensively, you can get out wide and, and, and get on one-on-one situations with our centre-backs who who can be quite naive. Blackpool exploited it very well with Josh Bowler, um, you know, and ended up getting a penalty from cutting inside and forcing a, a, a stupid challenge, really. So, um, you know, you're going to be looking to get into those wide areas and try and hurt us that way, I think. Um, in terms of Stoke, I think they've surprised me. I think, you know, they've always had a decent squad since coming down, but they've always sort of underperformed. Um, so at the minute, it's um, you know you're in eighth place I believe, but you're only 
five points off the playoffs with two games in hand. So, you know, you're right in the mix still. Um, the championship's all about um, your runs of form. I know you've not been in the best form lately. I think it's only one or two wins in the last month or so. Um, but, you know, we, we, you, you beat us last time out after we actually played quite well, I thought, um, in our previous system. And we, we, we managed to play quite well. And then a, a couple of... Um, uh, well, a good goal from what I remember, and then um, we, we kind of just turned off. So hopefully we keep it more competitive over the 90 minutes this time. Um, like I said, they, they, they seem to have their heads up at the minute. The takeover is about to go through. The optimism around the club's quite high, so the, I think it's sort of um, infectiously gone to the pitch for the players. So um, I'm going to go with a, a, an optimistic... Um, I'm going to go for an entertaining 2-2 draw. Um, I'll, I'd, I'd easily take a point from this fixture. Thanks very much for the audio, guys. Much appreciated. Again, it's always good to get a bit of an insight. So, um, yeah, I mean, Dan, what did, what did you think of that, mate? Any particular call-outs from, from what they had to say? Yeah, I mean, it sounds very similar to ourselves, doesn't it? They've, they've found um, at the start of the season, we were playing some lovely football, playing 3-5-2, you know, and they've found their feet with the same formation since they've changed to it. And so it's you know it's better football being played that way, which is what it was for us when we had the right players for the system. Uh, they saying that suits their players, saying they've even the centre halves are even getting some crosses in. So I immediately thought of Ben Wilmot, uh, but they said that recently they've been derailed by um, you know like COVID, which same as us and, and injuries, and that was it was like. Is this a whole fan or a Stoke fan we're talking to here? Let's go. <laughs> maybe maybe we asked the wrong the wrong people for the wrong audio, mate. You never know. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. I mean, to be fair, when I'm thinking about my team and and kind of my predictions for for this weekend, um, I put it actually I put it out on the the Twitter feed earlier on, but I'm actually going to go for a four three three this weekend. To be honest with you, mate. So um, I've got obviously Davison goal uh, is. is Definitely not even in question. Uh, I've actually gone, yeah, four three three. So I've got Wilmot and Harwood Bellis um, in the in the centre. Uh, I've then got Tymon and Smith, obviously, uh, at the wing back positions. I'm bringing in Thompson as long as obviously he's fit. Uh, I'm bringing in Thompson, moving Joe Allen further forward uh, alongside uh, Mario, um, and then the front three. Uh, Considering Fletcher looks like he might be out, I mean, it's been very quiet on the Fletcher front this week, but um, considering he might be out, I've then gone for Brown, Ince and Campbell up front. Ince sitting on the left, Brown on the right. I think Campbell's pace in the middle will will definitely help us, um, especially, you know, it's all about pace, that attack. Um, And as we know from when we're away, we need pace. We showed against QPR that you mentioned just, um, you know, again, pace one is that game um so i think we need a bit of a repeat uh are you going for a, a kind of uh, actually I'll, I'll give you my prediction first before i start moving on to you dan actually uh in terms of scoreline predictions i think we'll concede uh, but i'm gonna i'm gonna go for a two two one stoke win this week i'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be uh positive anyway um but dan uh what's your kind of team and score predictions mate are you, you being positive yeah, I think if Fletcher's fit, I think we go three five two with Fletcher and Campbell. If Fletcher isn't fit, then I think we play Cam. We play four three three, similar to yours. But I'd have I'd have Fox at left back, and I'd play um, Thompson, Allen, and I think I think Ranchis is out from what I've seen, but. 
Uh, obviously, if, if Mario's fit, then Mario plays. If not, then it looks like Sam Clickers will have to keep his place. Um, and then I say Campbell up front, Ince on one side and Timon on the other. Uh, for me, if uh, Timon or Doherty, to be honest, I think Doherty's had a, it might do him good to keep his place. Depends how Josh is recovering from from COVID, doesn't it as well? Yeah, um, there's a lot of ifs and buts there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think it's, it, you don't know. You never know who's fit. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, but yeah, actually, nail it down. We'll go. Yeah, we'll stick Fox at left back, and then stick Timon on the left side, Ince on the right side, Campbell down the middle. Bring Thompson in, Allen and Lucas. That's the thing. Yeah, the rest of it's the same as you, Smith, Davies, Wilmot, and the new one at the back. Lovely jubbly. Um, Andy, is your team dramatically different from that, mate? Or? No, I, I am very like in shock that you're playing timing on more of a left wing type position than left back. Obviously, with the three five two, he was playing left wing back, so I can see where Dan's coming from with it. But my team's pretty much the same as yours, Mike. Davies, Tymon, Harwood, Bellis, Wilmot, Smith. Um, midfield, if um, obviously Varancic is out, you've got to keep Klukas in the spot. There's not really anyone who can take over from him. Allen and Thompson with Brown, Ince on the wings, and then Campbell up top. It's pretty much the same team as what you've put out. Oh, so, great. great minds, mate. Great minds think alike. And <laughs> what scoreline are you going for? I'm going for a 3 1. I'm being a bit more. Bit more interesting, like I've said um, before the pods that we started recording. Lucas likes to score against former teams. I I always have a feeling when we play with one of his former teams, he's going to score. So um, I'm saying Campbell's going to get one ints and Lucas. Hmm. Okay. I'll go for a two-one. We're all being far too you know positive here. I don't know where this has come from, I'm going to be honest, but we'll, uh, we'll take it. We've had a few negative predictions at recent times. Um, you may have done. <laughs> I said 4-1 Me? last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, got, you went off the scale last week, Dan, let's be honest. Um, we, we just don't score four goals. Uh, yeah, so I think that pretty much does it for this week, um, to, to be honest, guys. I think... Um, It'd be nice to come back with a bit more of a positive uh, kind of result behind us. I know we've got a couple of games in hand now, obviously, with Barnsley being cancelled yet again. Um, and Andy, I know you were due to go to the Barnsley game, weren't you, mate? So For the second time. Are you actually going to bother for the third time? Or are you just going to call it quits? I, I, I can't be bothered to get a refund because I, I always know by the time I've given my tickets to the refund, they'll do an hour later on the Twitter feed. Oh, we've got the date sorted. Uh, well, oh, I mean, you don't, oh, you're not going to be on your own there, mate. But um, I think I, the three thousand five hundred originally were going. It's probably dropped to about a thousand now, with the amount of you know postponements that we've had with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of them though. It, it came at the best possible time. I think we we can't. I mean, to have four or five games in January is just crazy. Um, so I don't think the Stoke. Uh, I think as the club, I don't think we we care less about uh, having the game called off. To be honest. So well, uh, according to the Stoke City app. Uh, it's the game at Oakwell that kicked off at 7.45 Wednesday 12th of January has ended Barnsley nil, Stoke City nil <laughs> <laughs> They just oh, secretly brilliant. did the match <laughs> Behind closed doors <laughs> Bloody hell uh, Yeah, well uh, Yeah, never mind, let's not go there Anyway, yeah, so um, guys thank you very much yet again uh, for joining us um, and 
uh, fingers crossed, you know, we get some uh, some positive results to come back with. So um, I shall love him to leave you. Dan, I'm going to go and finish my bath off, mate. My bubbles are, are starting to dissolve. Um, Andy, uh, I'll catch you uh, next week as well, mate. So take care and I'll see you soon. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.